All right. Hello and welcome to Dark Alignment Podcast. I'm Brittany. And I'm Maruka Rose. And we are a true crime astrology podcast coming at you hard with our season three finale. Woo! Um, woo! Yes, cue the celebration sounds because we are covering a case that <laughs> I'm so excited about. Actually, you, the fans, voted for this episode on our Instagram story. We are going to be talking about the astrology of Lacey Peterson tonight. Um, this case was monumental. Uh, there's still updates going on with Scott Peterson to mm-hmm. this day. So um, really fascinating case, really heartbreaking case. And with that trigger warning in advance, we are going to be talking about some mm-hmm. very sensitive topics for this episode. So um, you have been warned as far as that goes. Um, but please connect with us. Like us, follow, subscribe if you're on YouTube, share this podcast with somebody you care about because everybody cares about the Lacey Peterson case is yeah. what I learned leading up to this. Mm-hmm. Even people who I like don't even, aren't even into true crime, I mentioned it casually and they were like, oh, look, Lacey and Connor, like they, like they legit remembered the name of her child. Wow. Like this case really touched a lot of people. It was huge. Um, so anybody who was alive during that time mm-hmm. of age to like be in the know of the news mm-hmm. absolutely remembers this case so yes you can also uh watch with us live on patreon so our patrons now have been live with us for about 30 minutes they get this episode immediately they don't have to wait for editing and it's a two-parter it's gonna be a two-parter mm-hmm. so be prepared for that as well. Um, buckle up. Buckle up. This is a robust story. We're covering several charts, even the transits, mm-hmm. which... I got most into that, honestly. <laughs> and I can't wait. We talked about it a little bit before uh, with Patreon, mm-hmm. but how it, like, coincides with the dates of the events that you don't... You're not even mm-hmm. aware of the dates of Yeah, I events. barely even said anything, and she started freaking out I know, I had head-to-toe full-body chills. <laughs> Um, so yes, Patreon, we have three tiers. You can pick what works best for you. Mm-hmm. We would love to have you. There's lots of cool benefits. You get to actually see the charts. You get access mm-hmm. to my notes in our archives mm-hmm. and tons of cool videos and content. So we also have merchandise. We have uh, very cool stickers available and dark alignment candles on our website. Mm-hmm. And that is darkalignmentpodcast.com. Easy to remember. Just go there after you finish this, of course. But yeah, you don't even have to type it in. You can just like hit them. Hit the link. Just hit the link. Mm-hmm. And while you're hitting links, be sure that you rate and review on whatever platform that you mm-hmm. are listening to. Five stars would be amazing. It is the best way to help podcast. So we would love for you to do that. It doesn't cost you anything either. Just like mm-hmm. a few seconds. It's mm-hmm. it's really a very little price to pay considering the gold we're about to give you. Um, <laughs> anything else? We both put a lot of time into every episode. So if you could, if you yes. want to you know, for just for reference, I normally put about 10, 10 hours of research mm-hmm. into each episode. This one, I exceeded 20 hours. So buckle the fuck up, guys, because <laughs> we're going to jump right into it. We have a lot to cover. So um, the way I titled this in my notes, The Astrology of Lacey Rocha, her maiden name, mm-hmm. Peterson and Shitty Scott. So, <laughs> I'm, I am going to be very uh, objective when I talk about Scott throughout this case. I just, for my own enjoyment, uh, put that there. If, uh, yeah. if nothing else, it is confirmed that he's, he's a bit of a scumbag. Um, so there's just that. Sources for this episode, Wikipedia always. So please donate if you use that platform and are able to donate. 
A&E's The Murder of Lacey Peterson. It's a six-part series on Hulu, and there's so much good information. See, they couldn't even do it in one part. No. <laughs> they have six parts, and it's a lot of Nancy Grace. And I, I really love Nancy Grace. People have mixed opinions about her. Um, I, love, I have mixed opinions about I love her. her as a female prosecutor. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I wish she could be a little bit more objective when she reports on cases, especially mm -hmm. this one. Uh, she had a big impact on this case. Mm -hmm. But I'm still a fan because she's very strong, opinionated, like powerhouse. Mm -hmm. And her story is pretty amazing. And mm -hmm. we should talk about pa uh, her on Patreon sometime. Cause Maybe. I might get frustrated. That actually might be fun to see her chart and mm -hmm. see, like, the frustrations like we could pinpoint the frustrations perhaps. it is interesting to look at charts and see especially if charts that of people that you find kind of irritating or triggering or mm -hmm. like annoying or um you know or even just that you're kind of jealous of them like it's usually something hits oh. your chart with their chart like i'm i guarantee you most times i am like irritate kind of irritated like that with somebody i don't think this will be with nancy grace i think nancy grace is something else maybe not i don't know but most times for me, it's a Virgo placement mm -hmm. and it's hitting my Chiron and Bolus. Meanwhile, I'm a Virgo rising like here with you all the time. I know, <laughs> I know. But I, it's very rare and it's very small little blips that'll like hit me and I'm like, oh, it's fine. <laughs> well, I'm glad it's just fine. With your Virgo-ness. Well, okay. My Virgo-ness uh, did a lot of research it's, here. It's that good. I can appreciate your Virgo-ness the most out of any other Virgo-ness. <laughs> thank you. Um, that I've seen anywhere else. Oh my God, thank you. That's a high compliment. That is a high compliment. Um, more sources. <laughs> so another big source is I actually watched the trial. Like I watched it while it was happening. So mm. every bit of this I was... I was tuned in for every detail, every update, so I was there. Um, I was in high school, never forgetting this case. Uh, I, I used information from Yelp, from the Daily Record, mm -hmm. from IMDB.com, and from The Sun. So lots of lots of info here. Again, trigger warning, there's Lacey was the victim in this case, and she was almost nine months pregnant at the time. So this is highly sensitive. Once again, mm -hmm. we just want to make that known. Uh, before we move any further, but we are going to start with young Lacey. So this is good. This is you're going to enjoy this part. This is an enjoyable segment. <laughs> so Lacey Denise, all of it will be all of it's going to be enjoyable, but in like, different ways. Some parts have a triggery stuff. This is not a trigger area. This is you're in the clear so far. <laughs> So Lacey Denise Rich, I was born May 4th, 1975. Of course, she's a Taurus. Mm -hmm. um, it's almost like I wonder if that's why I was so immediately, like, deeply drawn to this story and I didn't even realize it at the time. It's just she was very captivating uh, energy. Mm -hmm. So very sucked in. But anyway, her parents were super cute. They met in high school. They owned a dairy farm out in California. It was pretty idyllic in the early years. So... Also, fun fact, Lacey's mom named her after a girl she met in high school that she thought was pretty, and just picked that name. Mm -hmm. So, it's kind of fun. Uh, Lacey also had an older brother named Brent that she was extremely close with. Like, actually, his the when he speaks in the media about her, like, it makes me tear up every time. Like, he's, he's mm -hmm. so sweet and so compassionate. So, really um, strong relationship, strong bond between those two. It's a classic little family. And uh, Lacey worked on the farm from a young age and enjoyed gardening with her mother. Very Taurus activities. Yeah. 
Um, she actually loved gardening like all the way into adulthood. She ended up having only one tattoo and it was a sunflower. Oh. She, she just really, really loved doing things like that's one of her favorite hobbies. So, um, but unfortunately her parents, Sharon and Dennis, divorced when the kids were very young. So the good news oh. about that is Lacey probably doesn't have a lot of memories of her parents being mm-hmm. together. She was uh, about two years old whenever they split up. So, um, it ended up being a thing where mom moved with the children to Modesto, California, and the kids visited the dairy farm with their dad on the weekends. So they were kind of getting the best of both worlds a little bit. Like it's, it's kind of the new normal for them. Yeah. I was wondering what happened with her childhood because when I, in my notes, I was looking at it and you know, Scott's got some stuff in his childhood and I, and she does too. So I was like, it's not the same, but I see how they could kind of relate a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, cause she's got the South Node in her second house, um, conjunct Juno and Mercury. Like you see that hitting so early in life with the second house. Um, cause the houses kind of tell like in a way your life story as well and how things, yeah. a quarter things kind of play out. So Juno on the South Node, like that's very like divorce. Okay. Um, yeah. And then her home life on her, in her fourth house has Saturn there. So. I, th- I think that that makes a lot of sense um yeah i just i just didn't expect that to play out like that i mean it makes sense though that's interesting um, um i didn't i didn't think too much into it i just took note of it yeah <laughs> it's funny what stands out mm-hmm. um well after you know the divorce and everything's kind of getting settled uh sharon Lacey's mother eventually remarried and her new stepdad, like, helped raise Lacey and her brother. It's a really positive relationship. Like, he's in the media a lot yeah. with Sharon, okay. you know, throughout the whole thing. Um, she comes from a very loving family. Like, extremely loving. Very close family. Family mm-hmm. was super important to Lacey. So, in her third house is Venus. A oh. house of, like, close oh, family. Venus there. The love. Where is her Venus? In Gemini in the third Gemini. house. Okay. It's uh, also, yeah, it's also uh, ruled by Gemini, so. Okay, I was wondering. I've, there's so many things like I've been curious of her placement. And I never look them up. I let them be a surprise. After this blurb, I'll give you the rundown. Okay, um, a little bit more about Lacey and kind of what she was like growing up. So she was a cheerleader in junior high and high school. Mm. She was really bubbly. She was really feisty. She was really fun. <laughs> she was cute. She was friendly, um, and she was assertive. Like she was. Oh my god. She was kind of a pistol. Like if somebody. She was never afraid to confront somebody, even though she was really small. Physically, she was very tiny. Um, And she had the most beautiful smile. That is the main thing that always stuck with me in the pictures Mm -hmm. that I would see of her. is like the smile. She is all (laughs) smile. And you will feel that warmth from her if you look at pictures of her. Like, she feels so warm. And like somebody you just want to be friends with. And uh, a lot of people said that about her. Everyone also called her a firecracker. That was the, the word they wow. used, was firecracker. I have so much to say. And then after she graduated, she went to California Polytechnic State University, and that's a lot of words. So I looked it up, <laughs> and their website really made me laugh. It's calpoly.edu. And I was like, it sounds like a meetup site for polyamorous people in California. Really um, and their mascot Musty the Mustang. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I didn't make it up. Back to Lacey. Uh, Her major in college was kind of cool. It was ornamental horticulture, which I I looked up exactly what that was. 
Very touristy. Uh-huh. A program that focuses on domesticated plants and plant materials used for decorative and recreational applications. It prepares individuals to breed, grow, and utilize ornamental plant varieties for commercial and aesthetic purposes. Mm-hmm. That's right. I've gone above and beyond for you on this season three finale. So I want to go get that degree. So we're in Sounds college. Fun. It does sound fun. It does sound really fun. Uh, we're in college, and uh, this is where Lacey meets Scott. So the next thing I have is talking about Scott. Let's talk more about Lacey before we look at his young life. Yeah, so the firecracker stuff and all of her being, like, feisty and an active person and also very seen. All of this is really coming up in her first house. So she is an Aries rising. Oh, my gosh. Um, with Jupiter conjunct her ascendant. So having Jupiter on her ascendant makes you very seen, makes um, you uh, kind of almost like expanded, like your your persona, like everybody kind of knows you, everyone kind of like, especially if you're a cheerleader, like the whole school probably sees you all the time, like doing your, your stuff and going to different events and everything. Um, Aries can also be a very active person, like this is how you approach life, so you're taking like um, this Mars type of like aggression towards just living every day so like it really is like a good um placement for a more active lifestyle type person um so i was wondering how that would play out too with jupiter and in the the aries you'll see more of that later it comes into play again in a really significant way wow so i'm i'm kind of yeah okay and then she's on her mars it's oh it's back in the 12th house in pisces but she has a stellium there which i'll you know um, it's, it's Mars, Pallas, Pholus, uh, Lilith and Vesta, like all together Whoa. there on top of each other. So Pholus is really making Mars more exaggerated. So even more feisty, even though it's got kind of this flow to it being in Pisces. Um, and it's like this expansive flow. It's like almost like Mars energy just kind of like oozing out everywhere, you know? Ooh, and I, then, <laughs> I like the visual I got. <laughs> the oozing Mars fire. Um, I'm almost thinking kind of lava, um, like flows out. Or, yeah. Um, but she's got palace there also. So she's able to kind of like make these fast decisions, but also really compassionately because it's Pisces. Um, and Vesta's there. It's something she's devoted to. Lilith is there, like liberating herself this, through this aspect all the time. Um, yeah, also in her first house, she has Chiron and uh, Ceres and her son placement, even though her son is over in Taurus. Um, so having your son in the first house also gives you this thing of like, I embody myself, people see me, like it's a really big life placement. I think we had this in a previous episode recently. Yeah. Um, so I won't like dive too much into that specifically, but there's... You know, having Chiron and Ceres conjunct in the first house, I feel like is also just like partly, I'm trying to think of how much I want to say, because she can almost come off like she's like helping and healing, but she's also facing a lot of trauma, um, like to her face, so to her, her, um, persona, like, I'm not sure, like, you know, how, um, how she came off or if she, how many high school problems she had, you know, you know, when she really was seen a lot, it would also bring this element of like suffering and healing. So 
Mm-hmm. Um, but also like a comfort in being yourself. Having Saris in the first house is very like self-assured. Yeah. To- uh, Sun and Taurus in the first house is very self-assured. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, and then her moon is in Aquarius in the 11th house. Um, so she's always, always probably thinking about like the collective, thinking about people as a, as a whole, um, thinking about society, um, Aquarius moons, they kind of tend to feel like they tend to feel, um, what's the word? They tend, I'll just use another word that I already used. They tend to feel like the collective um, energy, like emotionally, kind of hit them. It's almost like they kind of got like their. It's not like Pisces where you're just feeling everything, but you're feeling like the uh, hive mind kind of stuff, like yeah. all the time. Um, like big world events, like affect yeah them more almost. Sometimes like, they pick yeah. up emotionally on like trends, like before they as they're coming up because it's kind of like what cool. everybody's thinking about right now or what everybody's liking right now. Um, Aquarius is kind of like that cutting edge. It's very in know. tune with like... <laughs> yeah. They're a little bit ahead of their time, kind of innovative, kind of... But that's how you're processing your emotions. Um, more of like an open-minded, like forward thinker. Um, with her Mercury situation, I'm not 100% sure. But um, also, you know, they can have a library of a mind. Like this is a, probably a smart, smart yes. person. Um yeah, so her Venus, then, like we said, is in Gemini in the third house. Um, I was going to say she probably had, like, really caring relationships with her, like, siblings, cousins, like, inter, inter- close family, <laughs> close-knit family. Um, her Mars is in Pisces. Her Mercury is in Taurus. But her Mercury is on that south node with oh. Juno, like I said. Um, and it does square off with her moon. <laughs> Um, so it's like something with her feelings ends up being like this big crux of her life path, like this big, um, challenge that she faces throughout life. So I'm kind of curious how that. Yeah. We, we'll have a lot of, uh, more mm-hmm. things once we get into like the relationship between Scott and Lacey, we kind of mm-hmm. like see who they are as adults. Yeah. Um, are we, do you have anything else that you want to talk about mm-hmm. young Scott? Um, just last her north node is up in Sagittarius in the eighth house, conjunct Neptune retrograde. Just keep that in mind. It's always like with an Aries rising, it's just crazy because the houses all line up. It like blows my mind every time when I hear like Sagittarius in the eighth, like or like, mm-hmm. like whatever I hear, it's like oh yeah, it all like lines up. I know. Sagittarius. And uh, when we get down to Amber, she's also an Aries rising. What? Spoiler alert, they're, I'm so glad that you went ahead and said that. Their awesome. charts are already similar because they're only like three months apart and they have the same rising. Wow. So it's a lot of like similar stuff coming up from them at the same time. Oh, wow. Okay. Go wow, ahead. wow. Go ahead and talk about Scott. Um, oh, I, could, I could say more, but I'm going to. I know. That's just a teaser. Um, <laughs> I'm giving you a little teaser. She's, so. Oh, it's, it's an air grand trine with her moon, Venus, and Uranus. Remember that her Uranus is in the seventh house? Okay. Um, and it's right on the line of Libra and Scorpio. Okay. You need to remember that. All right. Well. We're remembering, make a mental note. Because mm-hmm. we're moving on to young Scott. 
If you are in Northwest Arkansas and looking for affordably priced photography and videography services, then you should definitely reach out to Nice NWA. Yes, you should. With photo sessions starting at $100, now is a great time to update your company's headshots, get graduation photos, new family pictures, and more. Looking for video work instead? Yes, videos start at just $300 and are a great way to boost your marketing engagement online with current customers and potential new customers. It's also a great way to create highlight reels of your next event or just to tell your story in an exciting and creative way. NICE is not just locally owned and operated, but is also a certified minority and veteran-owned business that started right here in Northwest Arkansas in 2017. So go check them out on Facebook or on Instagram at NICENWA or by visiting their website at NICENWA.com. Okay, so young Scott. Scott Lee Peterson was born October 24th, 1972 in San Diego, California. So he is a Scorpio. Which is interesting because when we have a Scorpio in this podcast, they tend to be kind of sneaky and getting away mm -hmm. with things and all of that energy. So mm -hmm. we'll see how it all plays out on his whole chart. I'm in, that's immediately I was interested to see that and also noticing if they were the Taurus Scorpio. They have opposites. opposite suns, yeah. So I thought that was interesting too. Mm -hmm. um, just as a person who's not trying to look at the charts at all during the <laughs> research, like it's, I really try not to. Okay, so young Scott, his parents, Lee and Jackie, seem pretty cool. They okay. were really supportive of Scott through the later events and the trial. Like, they stood by their son um, through mm -hmm. it all. And actually, Lacey's parents did, too, uh, for a, at first. Mm. At until, first. Until they kind of until got more information. Until other information yeah. and it came out. They did, too. But Scott's parents were just, like, ride or die for him the whole way through. So he had a really good support system. Okay. Um, and he had a good upbringing. So his dad was a businessman who owned and managed a crate packaging company. Mm -hmm. And I needed to know what that was. It's like Uline. Like, so they make packing materials. Oh, so like I, I thought it was Uline. That, I, I, had to, I couldn't find the actual company. I tried. I did some digging mm -hmm. and I couldn't find it. Oh, um, I see what you're saying. But it's, that's similar. That's kind of, because I was like, what is crate mm -hmm. packaging? What the mm -hmm. fuck does that mean? So I had to look it up. Mm -hmm. um, and then his mom owned a boutique called The Put-On. Oh. And I could not find any information. I tried really hard. Um, but I did find a backstory about Jackie. I found some information I didn't know about her. She actually passed away in 2013. And her father was murdered when she was only two years old. She grew up in 2013? That's when Jackie died. That's when Scott's mom died. Okay. It's just that it lines up also with the Eclipse series. Oh, my God. Repeating. Oh, my God. Go ahead. Um, I'll, talk, I'll tell you guys. That's fascinating. But I didn't know this about Scott's mother. I didn't know that she grew up in an orphanage. Um, her mom had a nervous breakdown after, after Jackie's father was murdered when she was a toddler. So she had this, like, early trauma that I thought was interesting. I didn't mean to stumble upon that. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jackie seems like a really, seemed like a really lovely lady when she was alive. So yeah. I thought it would be interesting to throw that in there. But this family, so Lee and Jackie, it's like a modern-day Brady Bunch because they each had six children to combined from mm -hmm. previous marriages. And then Scott was their only child together. So he has a bunch of half-siblings okay. in, in this instance, which is kind of cool. Uh, but also, like, only child vibes, too. Like, you also get the only childs. It's very interesting. I think with him being a Sagittarius rising with Neptune on it, it's kind of like first child feeling. Mm -hmm. But then when at the very end of his first house, he has Jupiter. 
on the north <laughs> node, like it, into a second house. And so you, like, you see kind of like this first child, but also like all these other <laughs> super interesting um, in the north node. Um, yeah, I, I do see how that would lead to like a kind of nicer childhood. Yeah. I'm, I'm more thinking like something with the mom. Yeah. Um, so he, he shared a bedroom growing up with his half brother. They lived in a two bedroom apartment. So it was pretty, you know, nothing super fancy, nothing super flashy, but very comfortable, very warm family. Mm-hmm. Dad was a big time golfer. Okay. So Scott started playing at a very early age and he was really good at it. So by the time Scott was 14, he could beat his dad at golf, which is pretty impressive. Uh, and then by the end of high school, he was one of the top junior golfers in San Diego. And he was awarded a partial scholarship to ASU, so Arizona State. And that that was back in 1990, but there was actually some controversy that went down. This is really, really interesting. Neptune on the first, on the ascendant. So, um, in a public interview, Scott's dad, Lee Peterson, said that the the increase in competition that he had suddenly Mm -hmm. when he went to ASU was, like, really discouraging to Scott. Like, he... Um, was used to kind of being a big fish in a small pond, used to being the best yeah. and like kind of naturally being the best at everything. It's hard, so, especially when you're young. Yes. So it was intimidating to be around all these other really good golfers on this team at college. And he ended up getting kicked off the team for conduct. And um, he reportedly took a fellow teammate named Chris out drinking and to meet girls. Hmm. So... Um, his homie ended up with a really bad hangover the next day for a super important golf meet. So, like, a really important tournament. Um, and Chris was the number one junior golfer in the country. So. I mean, does that sound like a Neptune uh, Sagittarius rising or what? I mean, yeah. Um, so, also, just all of these, like, big competitions were going really far with all mm-hmm. these active, this is a fire sign type of thing. Um, Jupiter, we got... North Node in Capricorn, like we're we're winning stuff. We're <laughs> we're like gonna be the best. We're yeah. climbing to the top of this mountain, um, and he can kind of do this with like this fire from Sagittarius too. And Neptune almost gives it this like elusive. I, I'm not. That's why I was saying yeah. when there was controversy, I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like the dude's dad, so Chris's dad didn't want Scott to threaten his son's future. He was very concerned about this friendship and about Mm -hmm. like the influence that Scott had. Um, And I'm not sure if Scott did this intentionally, if he intentionally targeted this kid or if he was just kind of a bro because his personality is very bro. Um, I don't know if it was sabotage, but dad was a Karen pretty much. Um, He (laughs) complained to the golf coach and Scott was off the team almost immediately. Mm. So he transferred schools two times before he ended up at the same college as Lacey. Okay. Uh, but he was known for being a really good student, which I thought was interesting, because I guess I would kind of expect him to be, like, fucking around a lot and not really a great yeah. student, just based on what I've kind of seen about him. But he's also very high-achieving. Mm-hmm. So he's, like, bro high out. High-achieving, absolutely. But high-achieving at the same time. And he's got luck on his side with Jupiter, kind of. <sighs> so his professors described him as a model student, and one of them said, direct quote, I wouldn't mind having a, a class full of Scott Petersons. So, by most accounts, he was a pretty cool guy, seems like a basic dude, likes to have a good mm-hmm. time, but he's also a bit of a scumbag. So, um, the next section is Scott and Lacey's relationship. So, if you want to see some anything else you want to talk about his chart, and briefly 
scratched on some of it. Yeah, so scratched. his sun is in the beginning of Scorpio. Um, his moon is in Gemini, in the beginning of Gemini. He also has Saturn and Vesta both retrograde in Gemini um, in the next house, in the seventh house. Um, so having your moon in the same house as Saturn uh, can be a lot in the same sign. Like, um, just, it's not super close, so it's not like they're conjunct, but they're still like, taking they're still taking it and using that gemini energy so it can they can kind of blend in your system kind of when you're like using that energy um yeah it can put like restriction on your feelings or your feelings are really tied to uh what you're building what you're working on um it can kind of give you it's already in an air sign so like i'm trying to think of how to word this like it can make it where you are, I just totally lost it. <laughs> you, know I, you know how I do. I know, channel. You know how I do. You like that sometimes. <laughs> um, I'll come back to this, the moon Saturn thing. Uh, his rising, like I said, is Sagittarius, uh, right with Neptune there and Jupiter at the end of it. Um, it is opposite his moon. So kind of keep in mind, he's like holding this opposition on his chart of Sagittarius and Gemini. Um, very heavy, and he's got two big planets in those signs as well. So it's um, carrying a lot of like weight just as his foundation as a person. Um, let's see, there's his Venus over in Virgo in his 10th oh. house. Okay. Along with Pluto and palace his mars is in libra um in the 11th house conjunct uranus and ceres and then his mercury is in scorpio conjunct lilith um he also has juno in scorpio pretty close to his son um he's he's got a libra stellium and kind of if you count like the asteroids and stuff he kind of has like a scorpio and gemini one as well Wow. Uh, yeah, it's like a lot of just... Lots of stelliums. The Libra stellium does not surprise me, though, mm -hmm. because of this, his charming kind of nature. Also, Sag Rising is very charming. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. A lot of charm to him, so... And, and with the Neptune on his Ascendant, along with his Scorpio, all the other Scorpio placements, like, it can be very persuasive and very kind of, like, elusive, kind of being able to pull... Uh, the wool, what is that phrase? Pull the wool over your eyes. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. I know all the old timey phrases. Perfect. I'm here to validate those <laughs> for this podcast. Um, he's definitely drawn to this Aquarius and Aries energy. Um, he's got he's got it with Lacey and he's got it with Amber later too. Oh my gosh! Um, my sister actually is an Aquarius rising. And an Aries mm -hmm. sun placement, and then her moon is Gemini, just like his. Wow, they would, they be, would be a good match. They could be soulmate. Honestly, like I feel like he would predatorially uh -huh. like, go for your sister. Super, super. She's wood. so sweet. She's like, got a sweet demeanor. Uh -huh. like, he would I don't be. Know. He would be down. He likes um, sweet girls, is what we know. <laughs> he likes Aquarius and Aries, and you know, you always usually like people with the same moon as you, so. Um, he, 
may have had an excessive kind of over the top in some way mother who was in but also kind of distant from him at the same time or restricted his processing of emotions that kind of ties back to his moon placement and he's also got like this south node um cancer in the eighth house and maybe that'll come up more with like the mother of his children but like yeah, you know what I mean? what's so interesting is that there's no negative relationship ever reported between him and his mother, but we also don't know it's, kind of the deep extent. But I, right. what I, I have listened to actual phone conversations mm -hmm. between him and his mother, and it's, mm -hmm. it's really sweet. Like yeah. all of the family conversation, him and his dad. Maybe it's a little more nuanced than I, we can really get to. Yeah, it might be uh, something really deep that maybe. Because I mean, I have Moon and Saturn. And together, and I I can talk to my mom great on the phone. It's not. That's <laughs> you know really I mean? true. I mean, I there's just but it can, I can it can manifest in different ways. Maybe it manifests in a way that we can't really. Right. There's access, nothing I but, can confirm about mm -hmm. that relationship that is in any way mm -hmm. anything but supportive. You know what I mean? Like so. That's interesting. But relationships with the mother are always complex, mm -hmm. no matter what. Exactly. <laughs> um. You know, he, with Mars and Uranus so close together, um, it can kind of give him this, like, thrill-seeking thing. Oh, yeah. Um, this, like, adrenaline rush uh, type of personality. Mm -hmm. Like, we're always wanting, like, the next big thing. <laughs> um, yeah, and that can be, that can be kind of unstable. Um, like, you never know, like, what they're going to do because... Uranus is unpredictability and Mars is taking action. So like this would be somebody that you might be kind of afraid of when they got really hyped up about something. Like when they when their Mars is activated, when they're angry or when they're passionate or you know fired up, like you they you don't know what they're gonna do. They're just unpredictable type mm -hmm. of energy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and for him, like this is like almost like a a feeling of comfort. Because he has Ceres there. <laughs> so it's almost like he reassures himself using this type of energy. And he and he likes seeing it in other people, too, for some reason. Like, I feel like it's... That's, that feels so Maybe that's accurate. why he likes the Aries rising. Yeah. <laughs> no, you, and you'll see a lot of that as we move uh, into kind mm -hmm. of the relationship between him and Lacey and the relationship between him and Amber Fry. So, uh-huh. Absolutely. Very interesting. Uh, so make mental notes of this, everybody, because it's going to... <laughs> come through in the story as well mm. it always comes through in both places like we see it we hear it in the story and then we look at it on the chart that's basically all we do on this podcast is look at how we go back and forth yep. um let's see he had in his seventh house he has saturn um like we mentioned but thinking of it in terms of the seventh house, as we're about to talk about relationships, I just want you guys to be thinking about each of their seventh houses because that will be really uh, important as we move into that. Um, he's got Vesta and Saturn there retrograde. So when something is retrograde, like Saturn especially, it's kind of like you have a hard time kind of getting your uh, traction going with it. You kind of lose your footing more often. Um, it takes longer to find like a steady way to use that energy. Um, and when it's Saturn, it's like your, what you've built for your life, like your foundation for your life. So it can kind of feel like, ah, but being in Gemini, I do think it, it kind of like, you kind of catch yourself faster. Kind of like, yeah. um, they're like, a, it's like more nimble than Ooh, like if you had. Nimble. I love that. <laughs> that is the perfect word. Yeah, That's absolutely. Perfect. Cause I, 
I work with a lot of people that are a little bit younger than me and they have Saturn retrograde in Pisces. And that takes, that's a very emotional retrograde for Saturn. It's always like, I really thought I had everything like set up for myself. Like I really thought I was on the right path and I was doing, I had things like my life kind of getting put together and then it would like crumble and fall. It's it would like wash a total away. derailment. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then they, it's like this whole like emotional thing of them trying to like build it back. Oh, and it wow. can feel really discouraging when it's like retrograde in Pisces. But I think with Gemini retrograde, it's a little <laughs> so more different. like, oh, we're going to switch it. Which we don't know. We're going to think just something reroute. Else. It's, yeah. Um, it's very, it's a lot quicker, I feel like. It's very adaptable. So yeah, that's exactly. good. That's good. I mean, uh, for anybody that's got Saturn retrograde, like, mm-hmm. fingers crossed that it's in Gemini for you. Uh, <laughs> just letting you guys know. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Um... Oh, I was reading. I was reading some articles, and somebody mentioned that the Sagittarius Moon opposition to his Neptune and Ascendant made him slippery, and I just liked that term. Slippery Scott. Slippery Scott. That's our new hashtag for this episode. I'm writing it down. Slippery, Um, and that was from (laughs) StarForecast.com. Just to you know, yeah, to cite our sources. But we, I, I just liked how they used that phrase. Slippery, he is. It's, it's slippery. He is slippery. Um, and he has, um, the ten, his 10th house has his Venus there and Pluto and Pallas. So you end up, he ends up being known for, this is Midheaven. He ends uh, up being known for his relationships, his love life, um, this like death and power struggle and um, a decision that he made, like a, like a, the way he strategized something, like, um, it's like a mental deciding factor thing that he did with Palace. Mm. Um, and then back on, uh, Lacey's, because I didn't talk about her midheaven. And I was like, oh, I'll wait for some reason. But actually, oh, because I, it wouldn't make sense without talking about Scott first. Because her midheaven is in Capricorn, which is oh. where it's a conjunct exactly his Jupiter. And uh, his north node is over there in Capricorn, too. So it's all about what he did to her. That's why it, she's known for what his, how his chart impacted hers. Wow. Um, that's crazy. Yeah. That's why. Very crazy. Are we ready to talk about their relationship? Yeah. Okay, so we're going to start with the meet cute as we the do. The meet cute? It's a meet cute right okay. now. So while at Cali Poly or Poly Cal, <laughs> or whatever it's called, at the college they went to, Lacey would sometimes visit a friend who worked at a restaurant in Morro Bay called Pacific Cafe. And again, I'm not going to let you down. Um, I looked it up. This restaurant is in wine country. It received 4.7 out of 5 stars on Yelp. They serve steak and seafood. The prices are pretty reasonable um, as well. Did you so, order us some food there for the podcast? Get it delivered? Yes. I, would, uh, <laughs> I say give it a try if you're out in wine country. Just swing in. So anyway... Lacey met her good friend's co-worker, one Mr. Scott Peterson. Mm. So they met in 1994 at this restaurant. Lacey made the first move, which is, again, firecracker. Mm. Firecracker, again. Um, so I like that about her. You I like, like 19-ish? She, she could, yeah. Mm-hmm. She goes after what she wants. And she like was assertive about it, and she wasn't afraid to make a move. She ended up sending Scott her phone number. And immediately after meeting him, 
She told her mother <laughs> that she had met the man she would marry. She knew. Wow. Like, when there's an intense connection and chemistry, like, you feel it. And she absolutely felt that she knew Scott was the man she was going to marry. So then after that, Scott ended up calling Lacey. And they began dating right away. So. Wow. Are you ready for some real romance? Oh. We're going to talk about their first date. All right. So, (laughs) their first date was deep sea fishing, which sounds like a nightmare. Um, Lacey, it kind of was for her because she got seasick. And uh, I hardcore feel that. Um, I've been seasick deep sea fishing before. I I get sick everywhere. In the car, (laughs) on a boat. I got seasick on the lake last summer. Wow. Um, Yeah. No, I had to jump in the water. I was like, I'm going to die on this boat. I had to get in the water. And I didn't have a swimsuit. I jumped into my clothes. I stripped down into my bra and underwear. And got in the water because I was like, I can't be on this fucking boat. Another second, I'm getting in the water. So, feels on the seasickness. Um, but, you know, obviously that wasn't a deal breaker. You know what I mean? Uh, things kept heating up between Lacey and Scott after this. And it's going really well, except for one thing. As the relationship grew more serious, Scott started to do that dumbass thing people do when they put their dreams aside for somebody else. Oh, yeah. Worst thing you can do in a relationship because it just makes you resent your fucking partner. Yep. So Scott had big dreams of playing golf professionally. Mm-hmm. And after you know meeting Lacey, instead he decided to take this more traditional, practical route. He focused on a businessy mm-hmm. ass path. So mm-hmm. that was a huge mistake on his part is to sacrifice his big dream. So obviously no one's okay doing that. Like it's not it's not okay with your soul. Like at a soul right. level, don't do that, but he did that. Mm-hmm. Um, they dated for two years, eventually moved in together. After Lacey finished school, they got married on August 9th, 1997. Scott graduated with a Bachelor of Science degree in agricultural business in June of 1998. So um, this is kind of like hot goss. But prosecutors speculated that around this time is when Scott had his first affair. Really? And as we all know, there's another one coming up. Like, Scott Mm -hmm. was said to have had multiple affairs, as many as three in their relationship. So, um, it's just kind of interesting when big things happen, it's like affair. So, right after Mm -hmm. getting married, affair. And we've got Mm -hmm. the baby situation that we're going to talk about. So they're married. You never know what he's going to do. Right. <laughs> right. He's unpredictable, this guy. He's, <laughs> he's crazy. His passion is unpredictable. His passion is unpredictable. So married life. You know, we're done with the dating. We're official. We're married. Mm-hmm. They've graduated. What's next for the Petersons? I looked it up. They opened a restaurant. <laughs> okay. So it's a sports bar in uh, San Luis Obispo. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's And it... Do you want to guess what this restaurant was called? Any guesses? Any intuitive hits? No. No. You said Obispo, and that's all I can think of now. Okay. What is well, that? Well, the restaurant was called The Shack. Mm. Just The Shack. Um, and so Google has it listed as just Shack, which is kind of funny. Like, I was like, huh, just, just Shack. Um, and their business hours say permanently closed on there. It doesn't actually look like a shack. I'll post pictures of it on our Instagram story. It's just like this plain uh, red brick building. And there's part of, like, some pictures there's a taupe awning that just says 
the shack it's pretty plain um, I actually needed some input on the brickwork because there was so much brick, so I <laughs> brought in professional opinions. Um, not terrible, not excellent either. Um, it's it's kind of everything's different sized. Whoever did it understood the basic principles of brickwork on half of it, but uh, didn't didn't have attention to detail for the minor details. So, in case you're wondering about the integrity of the building you know it's acceptable work is the final is the final uh conclusion she here. had to go above and beyond guys mm -hmm. um <laughs> make sure the building is up to code yeah and then the, the final story. the final um the final feedback on the building is that ceramic tile entryway is absolutely disgusting <laughs> i love it i love it so much anyway um, I was able to find a total of like 25 pictures of this building ever and so that's how I figured out what the food was because there were some pictures of food so they serve burgers and beer pretty much mm -hmm. um, be sure to watch our Instagram story for these fun photos but it was given a four-star rating on Yelp um, very fun review that I have to say of just kind of the vibe of this place it was actually people really loved it uh, this incredible review comes from Joe M. from Las Vegas in 2008. So shout out to you, Joe. I'm going to directly quote you. He says, Honestly, the Shack is one of the best college pubs I've ever been to. And is a great spot for sports watching, eating a great meal, boozing up with your buddies if you want. I had gone to school at Cal Poly. He called it Cal Poly, so people mm -hmm. did call it this. I was like, okay, it's Houston slang, so I can say it. Um... I would have had to drop by here several times a week if I, oh, he said if I had gone to school there. So he didn't go to school mm. there. Even, he's, he's kind of going back and forth. Even non-locals know it's Cal Poly is what I, is my takeaway. Um, but he said, <laughs> this is so funny. Students at UCSD, and that's the University of California, San Diego, said they will never have the privilege of enjoying this business like, praise. it was really funny like that's why i was like okay i'll at least talk about this review because it was funny it was really well written it was like a lot of it was it was very a glowing review so you're welcome everyone <laughs> it's hard to think about 2008 it's not even that long ago and also when you talk about like scott wanting to build things and like the capricorn energy it's like yeah here's a business adventure mm -hmm. like that we're doing so all these different types of things um, the restaurant was slow at first. It got better on the weekends, but they did decide that they were done with this. Mm. And they put it up for sale. And they decided to move to Lacey's hometown of Modesto, California to start a family. Okay. So they, they go from this kind of like young entrepreneur couple in a college town, open a little business, mm. do your thing, to actually we're going to move out of here. We're going to go settle down. Was this 2008 or 1998? This was 1998. Okay, I thought you said 2008 for some reason. Go ahead. Oh, no, that's what the re when the review was put on there. But why would the review be that late, I guess? The restaurant, maybe they sold the restaurant, or maybe he reviewed it late. Yeah. But it was know. posted in 2008. Huh, okay. So, yeah, that's interesting. I didn't catch that when I was doing it, but timeline, <laughs> time's not linear, everybody. It's a, it's a weird roller coaster. Um... 
So in October of 2000, so they had definitely mm-hmm. sold the restaurant by then. Okay. They purchased a three-bedroom, two-bathroom bungalow house for $177,000 on Covina Avenue in an upscale neighborhood in Modesto, California. And you think about... It's a good price. That is a great <laughs> price. It's insane. So that would equate to about $300,000 in today's money, and that's outside of the real estate market. That's just general money. In so the real estate market, housing of the same size in Modesto right now are selling for about $550,000. Yep. So, just a little bit of uh, real estate info for all of you real estate buffs out there. Um, but yeah, okay, they officially sold the shack in 2001. Lacey cool. took a part-time job as a substitute teacher. Mm-hmm. Sounds like really fun. And Scott got a job with a European fertilizer company, which feels kind of random, but whatever. He's like agricultural... So farming, mm-hmm. kind of, kind of degree and background. Stuff. So doing this type of business makes sense, and he did pretty well. He earned a salary of about five thousand dollars a month before taxes, and in today's money, that would equate to eight thousand one hundred sixty-two dollars and thirty-one cents a month after taxes. That is good. You're making good money. That's an all right, you know, comfortable, cozy living for a family of two. Like, mm-hmm. that's great. And they paid a reasonable price for their house. Like, yeah, that Jupiter on the second house cusp is really serving him well. He's crushing it. <laughs> so, and Lacey really, really loved domestic life. Um, she was excited to be a wife. She was excited to be a mother. She really wanted to be the perfect housewife. She enjoyed cooking and entertaining. Very cozy Taurus vibes. Like, mm, yeah. she loved doing all of these things. And in 2002, she was absolutely elated to share the news that she was pregnant (laughs) with her and Scott's first child. Um, She was 27 years old at this point. Her due date was February 10th, 2003. The couple planned to name their baby Connor. And then bad things happened next. So let's look at their couple (laughs) stuff before we get into, you know, horrible things that are going to happen. Um, We're on a high. Let's stay on a high. <laughs> so, um, oh, where do I, there's something I was thinking earlier. Um, so when she was like, oh, this is the guy I'm going to marry, like, right away. Um, I, I feel like they have a lot of things that really resonate right off the bat. They're both fire risings with Jupiter um, in their first houses. I think that that like, really just, like, mm. makes this, um, like, grand feeling with each other. And then... He has his Juno, which is about marriage, um, his son, Ceres, and Mars, and Uranus, all in her seventh house. Wow. So, like, when you meet somebody with that much in their your seventh house, especially Juno, which has to do with marriage, and it's like, it almost feels like it's, like, right for a relationship, you know, how it, like, lines up, it feels like it's, like, lined up. Um, having all of that hit right away makes a lot of sense to me. Um, the passion of it. The passion. Uh, yeah. They both have, um, difficult, like, fourth house placements, which is why I was kind of talking about earlier. She's got Saturn, um, in her fourth house, and then, um, I was like, oh, I can't even see his. Oh, no, I, was, I meant in her fourth house. That's why I got mixed up in my head. I looked at a lot of charts, guys. 
Yeah, there's a lot of charts in this. There's a lot of information um, and a lot of charts in this episode. So, so. Her, both in her fourth house is her Saturn. So it's like her foundation of life. It can also be like a limiting thing. It can be like a um, Saturn stuff, you know. Um, but for him, his south node is there. So it's almost like he's wanting to move away from the home life. Um, oh. From home life with her. Into like this... Uh, um, second house, tenth house thing, uh, when they're together, where he wants to be in this like success money space more than like at home, like doing the caretaking, and it's almost like he's gonna feel like that's holding him back with the way it lines up with them together. Okay. That makes sense. Um, he at first when they met, I think that he may have been helpful for Lacey kind of mentally, like getting her out of her own head, like making her feel like things are possible. Um, because her Mercury is on her south node, like I said earlier. And sometimes that can make you like have, feel like your mind, um, like you're kind of stuck in your mind or your mind is stuck in the past and you're kind of like thinking about all of these past things a lot mm -hmm. or thinking like, like you can't, you can't move forward. You can't get out of your comfort zone because you're like, you know, the mind is very, <laughs> very powerful. powerful. Mm -hmm. um, but with his, all his stuff on her North node, like Lilith and Neptune and Mercury, like for him, it's almost like when she's around him, um, especially at first, it's going to seem like, oh, he can like, like I can dream again. I can empower myself. Like I can, oh. you know, it's kind of like motivating and empowering for her. It's like reigniting um, and all these passions. And yeah, it's like, oh, I can like, move towards yeah. my North Node. Like, um, yeah. and they're going to have similar kind of worldview and vision with their Neptune so close, you know. Um, and she may have been really encouraging and healing for him at first also because his Chiron is like right in her, right at the beginning of her, her first house. Um, and hers is too, but his is like right on her Jupiter. And so it's almost like when people have this Aries rising, um, like they can either be really triggering for him or they can be really healing, you know? Either way, he likes it. Yeah. He likes that energy. It's There's more so on his chart that shows that, how he likes it. But like, yeah, it's very, um, very interesting how, uh, their charts kind of play out together. Um, I pulled up this little blurb from Cafe Astrology because I, I like how they kind of put everything together in a little paragraph <laughs> about um, Venus signs together. Okay. So um, the gist of it is she has a Gemini Venus. He has a Virgo Venus. Uh, I don't know why I said it like that. I like how you said it. Your delivery uh, was perfect. Thanks. <laughs> um, so she values intelligence and communication in a partner. Um, there can be uh, quite a bit of like mental attraction. Like she's going to look for this kind of mental attraction. And on her north node, he does have Mercury there, you know. So I think there's like a big like draw, especially with the way the rest of their charts go. Um, but also Virgo is a very like kind of like planning, like, but in a grounded way. Like, it's, mm -hmm. if, if you had to pick another sign to be, like, um, kind of Mercury, you know? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Because it's also associated with Mercury. Right. Um, both of them are kind of somewhat, like, restless and curious. 
is how it puts it. And I could kind of see that. Uh -huh. Like, it's not like they're, um, you know, crazy, but they're kind of there's kind of like this like little unsettled bit that like keeps them going. Yeah. And like working for more. Um, says that she may be less discriminating than um, her partner than him in terms of who she communicates with. Oh, um, as yeah. well as as well as what she talks about. Um, where he's gonna be very kind of like driven to, you know, focus so, hyper focused on certain things. Lacey was super, super open about everything yeah. in her life and Scott was very selective about kind of who he shared his mm -hmm. more like personal things with. So it's dead on. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I just wanted to like validate. <laughs> or she's gonna want a little more freedom. Um you know, and be able to turn to other people and talk to them for like mental stimulation and he uh, will not like that. And this is important for a thing that's going to come up really? in the future. Yeah, that's why I wanted to kind of set the tone here. Like, please remember this little uh -huh. blurb because it, it does come up um, in here. With It comes up in court. Wow. So. And that, it can be intimidating for him if she's, like, going out and talking to other people and trying to um, be, like, more social than he thinks is normal for him, you know? <laughs> um, she would also have more of, like, a happy-go-lucky disposition in love. Um, like to tease and joke around where he might tend to be more sensitive in matters of the heart and might take some of their, they put cajolings. Oh! Cajoling? Cajoling. I, I think that's, that's, who says that? They're joking right. a little too seriously for him. Um, <laughs> that's kind of funny. He was probably more serious, you know, a little more serious. Like, it's almost because, like, I think Virgo can be really sensitive um, cause they want things to be a certain way. And if it's, if you're kind of like messing that up, it's like irritating. Oh, one thing that I don't have in my <laughs> notes, but it just made me remember this of how meticulous Scott was about mm -hmm. things in his house. Is it's a value of his. When detectives were there, like, um, they tried to set something like on his table and he like put a coaster under it. And then they were trying to, like, they're searching his house. And then oh they're like, put, they were in his garage and they're opening like a vehicle door and Scott like grabbed the door so it wouldn't like ding. What something. a Virgo Venus. So, but, but police were reading into that as if, that was like a really negative thing he was doing. And as I was listening to it, I was like, that's a personality trait because I'm a Virgo rising and I would do the exact same yeah. things under any circumstances. It doesn't matter. Like, no, I'm putting a coaster under that shit. Mm -hmm. So I kind of like resonated with Scott in that way. So that's, that's really funny. funny that that's coming through. On and with head. how like successful he was in some things, you know, some of it I think is like the illusion of being the successful person, the one who should win. But also I think mm -hmm. there is like a lot of, precision in what he's had to learn to, you know, move through life the way he has. Um, let's see. It also mentions um, that both can be flexible, although um, the Gemini Venus, she will take this to a greater extreme than him. It will more likely make him uncomfortable. That's just kind of what we already said. Yeah. Um, says if your Venus and Virgo lover begins to question your sincerity and constancy, you remind them how much you appreciate your relationship. Oh, very uh, sweet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> very, very sweet. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, they have a lot of really interesting um, things going on. <laughs> Let's see. There's, like, some nice Venus trines. Um, like, her Venus is trying... Um, kind of near his sun placement and his Ceres. Like, there's there's a lot of little things like that when you kind of look at the charts overlaid. 
Um, I have a question. But also some some stress points for sure. So I am curious um, for like motherhood, fatherhood kind mm-hmm. of roles since that's where they're like obviously moving into. Like Lacey's pregnant and like kind of mm-hmm. I don't know, just that. Do you, do you have any any uh, insights here on their roles as mother and father and like parents in general? Well, he, it's kind of hard to say, um, but when I look at like him, I, I, I really feel like he's just feels like he's being held back by like, yeah. um, that's all what that I stuff. it just, it just feels like, oh, like I'm being limited, you know? And even his Saturn, it was one of the things that was like kind of a stressful thing. His Saturn is conjunct her Venus. So it's almost like the relationship with her is also kind of limiting, um, he, in an, in a recorded interview, like I've seen it, it's, it's mm-hmm. not even an interview. It's a home video that was released, um, where he's holding his nephew and mm-hmm. talking about like, oh no, we're not doing this. Like, and that Scott and Lacey had said that they aren't, they weren't going to have kids. And, um, you know, Lacey's brother, Brent was joking, like, okay, I wanna, I'm recording you guys saying this. <laughs> then like a year later, they were ready to start a family. Uh-huh. Uh, but it was like. A thing where he that wasn't something he was naturally inclined to want. Yeah, because I think he, you know, and maybe if it was set up different, if he had been able to do his dreams and right, his, like all that first, golfer and do um, all that. Like I think he really just felt limited, and it it drove him a little bit too far. They've also got um, uh, Venus square Venus. Like there's Whoa. there is like a lot of conflict with you know, them having this relationship, but like almost sometimes at first, like when you have other things that go well in a chart, like Venus square Venus just feels really like, um, like play fighting. Oh. But then you kind of realize, <laughs> no, like this is oh, actual, serious. an actual problem. Like I've seen, I've seen this come up with couples before and like if they don't have a lot of other great things on their chart, it can be kind of like, like, uh. <laughs> like, play fighting goes too far and you're, like, hurting feelings. Yeah, like, it's, that's almost, what it... it's almost like, oh, this is fun. And, like, we, like, you know, we're kind of, it's passionate. It feels we're roasting kinda, each other. Like, there's really. this friction and it's really sexy. But, like, uh, over time, when you live with that energy every day, it gets to just be, like, you're pissing each other off. Um, yeah. Because your values are, are butting heads. Yeah. Um, so, unless there's a lot of other stuff. That neutralizes that out. I don't want everyone to be like, ah. But I've seen a lot of, like, exes. Like, people come to me and show me their exes chart. And they have this. Like, oh, well, you've got Venus square Venus. Yeah, yeah. And, and probably other things. Other things. Right. But, that's but a- it's one of those things that, like, is definitely something you look at. It's a hard aspect. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely something you kind of put on the, like, eh, the con side. Yeah. <laughs> on a reading. Yeah. Um, they've got... They have a good amount of squares, a good amount of trines, so I feel like this is a very confusing, like, when they really get down to, like, the nitty-gritty of this relationship and who, how they are together, I think it gets more and more confusing, especially with the Neptune-ish situation, um, and Scorpio can be, not not to say all Scorpios, but so Scorpios, Scorpios can be very loyal or very disloyal. And, like, um, you probably wouldn't even know. Right, because it, it can so be really like sneaky. Under the surface um, kind of energy. 
Slippery. Slip. Hashtag slippery Scott. <laughs> We're going to start this hashtag and get it trending. <sighs> that cracks me up so much. Oh that, that's, the slippery is so funny. Okay. Uh, it's, it's, it's just a very confusing com- com- combination of charts. And it's like, it's kind of stressful to look at the more I look at it. Wow. Um, it increases stress over time. It's raising my cortisol levels. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. Um, Not that it's hurting your body physically, no. but the things you say. I love uh, the things you have to say. Um, all that stuff, too, his Mercury, Lilith, and Neptune. Uh, rem- reminder that that's in her eighth house. Okay. Ooh, eighth okay. House. Um, she has a lot of second house, eighth, eighth, eighth house stuff happening throughout this. So... Um, Remember that. And he's got that, like, seventh house stellium on her, so it's, like... Lots of seventh, eighth, second house things. It's a lot. Um, Okay. Her Venus is in his seventh house. Like, it... Some of this lines up so well, and some of it lines up so bad. Interesting. It's so Like, opposition. Like, Mm -hmm. it probably is, like, good. When it's good, it's good. When it's bad, it's bad kind of energy. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. passion, but also probably some pretty rough arguments or <laughs> passive do you feel like passive aggressive or aggressive aggressive i don't feel like Lacey's passive no i don't think either of them are that passive okay. they might give each other the benefit of the doubt for a while and be kind of passive at first but i think on when it comes down to it like it's not passive this will also come up later this is <laughs> this is why i'm kind of passive. like i think they might kind of like be willing to give each other a little bit of grace but mm-hmm. like the further they get in this relationship it's going to be more aggressive um, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, the next charts I have are... Uh, okay, those are... Roughly... Yep. You can see my screen. Yep. And we, yeah, we won't need those for a minute. Okay. So we'll go ahead and move into the worst Christmas ever. <laughs> so, all right. Here's what went on a few days leading up to Lacey's disappearance. Spoiler alert. As you already probably know, she disappears. So on December 23rd, 2002, at 5.45 p.m., Lacey and Scott went to Salon Salon, where Lacey's half-sister, named Amy, worked. <laughs> it's a good name. Uh, she, and she cut Scott's hair once a month, so that was why they were there. And this is important for timeline things later. So Scott offered to pick up a fruit basket that Amy had ordered for her grandfather as a Christmas gift the next day because it's like it's Christmas Eve, it's Christmas Day. Like this is, if you think about it, December 23rd is kind of the last day any businesses are open. It's the day you go get shit done. So it's like, okay, I got to get the haircut. I got to go. There's a good chance store. they won't be open on the 24th. Right. Gotta Especially pick up, back then. Got to pick up the fruit basket. <laughs> I got to run the fucking errands. Like it's the uh-huh. day that you kind of get and your ducks you, in a row. Yes. You prepare for everything to be closed for like the next two days mm-hmm. for, for holidays. So it's, that's kind of the energy that's going on. Everybody's kind of arranging things. Um, so Amy was like, got to go get this fruit basket. But Scott offers to pick it up the next day because he said he was going to be playing golf close to the place that made them. So I guess this place was open on Christmas Eve because Scott was like, oh, yeah, I could swing by there. It's really convenient for me. Um, but he said he would be playing golf, playing mm-hmm. golf. Keep this in mind. Um, later that night, Lacey's mother spoke to her on the phone around 8.30 p.m. And this was normal because Lacey was close with her family. She talked to her mom just about every night. Um, her close inner circle, all the third house things you mentioned earlier. Um, 
So all this is like very normal things happening. And then aside from Scott's accounts, this was the last known contact that Lacey had with her family before she went missing. So this is the immediate day before she goes missing. Um, the last time that Scott's parents saw Lacey was during a three-day weekend they spent together just a week before Christmas. So a week before she went missing, she's going on family vacations with Scott and his parents. Right, like this is the worst time to try to like, you know... They went to unalive someone because it's like the time where all your family is like yep. checking in and talking and communicating extra. So they spent the time together in a place called Carmel, California. And it's like a they it's like a little beach town. It's really cute. Mm -hmm. It's a, like a little peninsula. It's known for like having a great library and museums and fairy tale cottages and galleries and it's a very village like. So it's it's a cute little town. I looked I looked at the pictures. Uh, they're on this sweet getaway right before Lacey vanished. So it doesn't seem like this couple is having major problems or in trouble or mm -hmm. it's just interesting to note the timeline of like the trip yeah. and her disappearance, even outside of the holidays in general, just like we're going to go on this little weekend getaway to this cute little town and do cute little things. It's just, it's so interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, I know why. So back to <laughs> back to um, okay. you know Lacey and what happened on the twenty third. You know, go going to bed after eight thirty at some point. Like eight thirty is the last timeline that we have really confirmed by anyone except Scott and like conflicting accounts from citizens. So we know she's alive at eight thirty p.m. on December twenty third. Okay, that's what we know for sure. Scott later tells police that he last saw his wife around 9.30 a.m. the next morning on Christmas Eve when he left to go fishing at the Berkeley Marina. Fishing, not golfing, okay? Um, apparently, he said it was too cold to go golfing. Mm -hmm. Fishing's colder. You're yeah, in the water. water. I, you get the, like, wind up, coming up off the water. He was also, it was a 90-minute uh, drive to this marina, he was only on the water for about an hour. It just doesn't seem to justify. It doesn't make sense. He he did have a new boat that he was excited to take out. So I maybe you just go out and run your boat around a little bit and come back in. Like yeah, I mean he went fishing, so he like had gear and bait and it, you know it. That's a short fishing trip. Whatever. It's gone for an hour. It he was only on the water for an oh, hour. It's a yeah. ninety minute drive one way. I, I so dri you're driving 90, or I guess it's 90 miles, 90 miles, uh, which would take a little bit. Unless the weather was real bad, it's hard to think that, like, you would drive over an hour to get there, only spend an hour in the water, and then drive over an hour back. Yeah. That, I thought that was an interesting choice, too, especially on Christmas Eve when your wife is eight months pregnant. Like, whatever. <laughs> I'm all I feel like Lacey's more than independent. It's a like, weird, it's a weird outing. It's so. a weird change of outing, because he told so many people he was going golfing mm -hmm. and, like, changing it last minute, but also Scott, I guess, was kind of known for and making last-minute changes. He's so. unpredictable. Yeah, he's unpredictable, so... I don't know if it, I don't know if that's weird or not. These are just things that were really, it really feels weird to me. It does feel weird. It's a very short fishing trip. It feels a little bit weird, but it may not be weird for Scott because he kind of yeah. did things yeah. in an unpredictable way. So it's hard to say. Which again, it, this is all stuff that came up in court. So I think it's important for us to at least 
discuss it a little bit, like break it down. Mm -hmm. So whenever he left, he said that Lacey was watching a cooking show. It was her favorite show. It was the Martha Stewart show. (laughs) Her favorite show. Um, So that that was something that Mm -hmm. she did all the time. She was very domestic, once again, Mm -hmm. really enjoyed it. So cooking shows her favorite. Like she's such a Taurus. It's so cute. Um, but she was about to mop the floor. She was going to bake mm-hmm. cookies that day, uh, and also walk the family dog, a golden retriever named Mackenzie in a nearby park. So again, being active, she's even active during her pregnancy where it's important for her to take her dog on a walk at the park. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned that activity earlier, mm-hmm. and that's where I knew it was going to come in again later. That like even extremely pregnant, she prioritizes movement and health and walking and doing these things. So I think that speaks to, to that piece of her, of her chart a lot. Um, so now this all sounds fine and good, right? Like nothing, nothing Mm -hmm. crazy. Yeah. But, um, fast forward a little bit more to the timeline. We're going to review. Okay. A neighbor reports finding Mackenzie outside of the home by himself with the leash still attached. So Mackenzie's just there. Um, Hmm. knows where he lives. He's like, this is my house and I'm just hanging out. Mm -hmm. And a neighbor thought that was Mm -hmm. strange. Like, okay, I guess Mackenzie got out. So they were With the leash on. Yeah, they didn't really think anything of it. I've seen interviews with this woman. She was like, I just didn't think anything of it at the time. It's just a weird little thing. Yeah, Yeah. like, it Mm -hmm. didn't feel like a red flag. So she just opened the gate, put Mackenzie back in the backyard, like, closed the gate, went on with her day. It's Christmas Eve. Like... Yeah, you got a lot of other stuff going on. Right. There are a million things could have happened so it wasn't like a big deal and this neighbor said this happened about 10 30 a.m so that would have been an hour after scott left that they found mckenzie another neighbor said he saw mckenzie at about 10 45 in the morning so we already have conflicting timelines mm-hmm. we've got one neighbor saying i put the dog up at this time we have another neighbor saying i saw the dog at this time that roughly wasn't. around the same time but not ex- it just it's already a conflict mm-hmm. like we already can't trust yeah we already can't trust it's a very rough time right so um aside from the dog out of the yard nothing was out of the ordinary another interesting detail about scott's day at 2 15 p.m he left a message for lacy and here it is word for word hey beautiful it's 2 15 i'm leaving berkeley so he called her to let her know that he was leaving the marina so he's establishing his own timeline uh-huh. here, which is very interesting. Yeah. Um, he also produced a receipt for later when the cops asked him for his time entering. I wonder if he would normally tell her, you know, like, yeah, yeah I'm leaving now. And making sure he says the time, I'm mm-hmm. leaving, I'm doing this. Because this is the day before smartphones. This is the, like, right. early 2000s. Like, we had cell phones, but they were, you know, really, like texting now. wasn't really a thing yet. Yeah. It was T9 texting, which, were you too young for T9? You did T9? No. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure what age you even got a phone. I got really good at it, too. I was really fast. I was, too. (laughs) Some parents also don't let their kids get phones until they're like, I wasn't allowed to have a phone until I was 15. I was 12. And then my sister was like 10 or 9 or something. (laughs) And now kids get phones at like 7. That's so so weird. Um, but yeah, that is, that is the world we live in. So that's interesting. I'm just bitter. It's fine. Yeah. I like it. Keep on, keep on telling us about it. <laughs> I, I'm fascinated with sibling relationships. It's just so. by the time, you know, it's like a five, four or five year age gap with me and her. So by the time she got to be like, like the age difference did make a 
Yeah. And Four, five years is a lot. Yeah. I know my mom and her younger sister mm-hmm. are five years apart. And it's it's always had like a weird tension to it because of yeah. that something about those ages. I don't really know what it is. Something <laughs> about that spread makes it where you're not quite as close because she was always like really close with her older brother who was like two years oh, yeah. apart. It's way different. So it's like more of a cohort energy versus mm-hmm. this like other energy. Mm-hmm. It feels like with the a wider age gap. It's interesting. But not but when you have a really wide age gap. It seems like the older kid ends up taking on more of like a parental, mm-hmm. like, oh, you're so cute. I'm gonna like hold you and exactly. babysit and change your diaper. Like, yeah. So it's funny, sibling. It's interesting to look at on the charts too. You can see kind of those generational planets shift over when they have larger age gaps and like. And we have had your sister on Patreon, yeah. and we have talked about your charts. So oh yeah, there. we have. So we've done a sibling, and I just was like fascinated bystander. <laughs> it was great. So check that out if you um, are on Patreon already or get on our Patreon and make it happen. So yeah, get on there. Yes, we empower you. <laughs> so we've got this phone call. We've got this voicemail letting Lacey know where he is and what he's doing. Um, mm. He said he returned home that afternoon to find the house empty. When about almost 5.30 p.m. is about 5.25 in the evening rolled around. Lacey was still nowhere to be found, which is strange because her, her vehicle's in the driveway. Mm-hmm. But she's gone. And, you know, Scott wasn't super concerned because Lacey's so close with her family. He figured, oh, like maybe her mom picked her up. Maybe they went to run an errand. Like it wasn't coming through as red flags to him because Lacey kind of could have easily been picked up by somebody. So it really mean much to him um but he did say he found Mackenzie in their backyard like mm-hmm. when he got home and that was a little bit weird too but again not, with the leash on right um not really red flag stuff but he Scott calls Lacey's mother when he finds Mackenzie and he's like is Lacey with you and when she says no mm. um Sharon Rocha direct quote says the words that Scott used were Lacey is missing. Mm-hmm. And that, and right uh, Sharon Rocha in the media, oh, I got instant chills thinking about her. She just, the emotion mm-hmm. and the love she has for her daughter is like, oh, it makes me want to tear up, like thinking about it. So please, if you've never seen Sharon Rocha in an interview, go just like watch her publicly speak and talk about her daughter. And like, she's, She's a very amazing woman, very strong woman. My heart really goes out to the Rocha family through all of this. Like, uh, oh, Sharon just, Sharon breaks me down. Sharon and Brent both just, oh, get me so deep. Like, this poor family. Um, so Sharon has this conversation with Scott, and I guess later he denied that that conversation ever happened. That's suspicious. It is a little bit weird. Mm-hmm. So he calls Lacey's mom first. And then Lacey's stepdad is the one who called Modesto police and reported Lacey as a missing person. So, any other chart um, thoughts no, on this I think we section? Can, we can go in because I know what the next section is. I think the next section, like really, this this has been part one. We really just kind of covered who they are as people. We're establishing main character energy. Really, we're talking about <laughs> Scott and Lacey as people, how they grew up their relationship to each other, and the events leading up to Lacey's disappearance. So part two, we are going to go in-depth with the actual disappearance, all the circumstantial evidence surrounding it. We're going to go into the case. We're going to look at Scott's trial, 
we're going to talk about Amber Fry is coming in for the second half, which is the star witness of this case, the hugest thing going on here. Um, so we're going to pick up on that, and uh, we'll see you in part two, you guys.